I love coaching and I love talking about coaching just as much. Coffeehouse Coaching was created as a place to connect with other executive coaches to learn about their coaching journey, practice, and philosophy. I'm back with Jackie Hodgins and today we talk about assessments, the stakeholder interviews, determining the number of stakeholders you want to talk to, how to actually conduct the interviews, prepping the client for the results. Really good insight from Jackie on this. Sharing the results after the debrief. Getting these types of insights is very difficult any other way, so it's a great practice. Finding the actionable items through the interviews. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to get involved in future podcasts, reach out to either Jackie or myself through LinkedIn, and we can set that up. Thanks for joining us. Jackie, really nice to see you again. Yes, great to see you, Gary. What do you notice about yourself today? Today, I've already facilitated a session on coaching with a group of a cohort of about 10 people. And I think retrospective is the word for me. I just, they did such a great job and they came to some really deep self-awareness about themselves and what coaching is, what it isn't. And just appreciating them and thinking back on my own journey of coaching. So definitely reflective and probably honored to do that with them. You are a true blue coach. So before I tell you mine, just on that, in our profession, I really enjoy this podcast. I really enjoy supervision. And my career path is going to be at some point, fingers crossed, that I'll be able to teach and work with other coaches. It's such a rewarding profession when you get people that are truly interested in being better coaches and are really thoughtful and reflective. It is just a joyous occasion. And you said you're blessed to be doing things like that, as I feel to be on a conversation with you today. So what do I notice about myself today? A little stressed that we're kicking off this series, and I want it to be different every time. And I'm very conscious of how I'm showing up in that I don't want to continue to keep telling the same stories. I'm very, very introspective on how I'm going to run this podcast today. And I know it'll be good because you're on it. All, all things considered, it'll be fine. What's the topic that you want to talk about today? As I was thinking about it, I have a lot of passion around this topic and I think that, or I wonder if others might be interested in hearing it as well. And it's really around assessments. And there's so many avenues we could go down for assessments. I There's a few buckets we could talk about. One bucket is the, when I have a client and we offer up doing the 360 or sometimes called stakeholder interviews, really that whole process and how do we help the client to see themselves through the eyes of the people that work with them the most. It helps with their self-awareness. And so that's a whole big big topic. And then the other piece is around personality or behavioral type assessments. So a client may choose to do that. Maybe a coach even has some that they use on a regular basis and just knowing when to use it, why to use it, what are the benefits of it? What are the drawbacks of it? Which is very different than a 360 stakeholder interview type process. Yeah. So I think those are some, some two big buckets that we could tackle. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? Very rich topic. I sense this is going to be a part one, part two. So maybe for today, let's focus on the 360 stakeholder interviews. Okay, great. And how are you defining those? And how many people do you like to get to interview so that you can feed that information back to your client? Yes, that's an important piece of this. What I think about is, first of all, is really talking to the client about what their needs are. What is their overarching goal? What is it that we can go out there and learn about ourselves? First of all, getting the agreement with the customer, with the client that they want to go do this. And then I typically will ask the client to give me 
anywhere between five and seven names of folks to go talk to. And what it looks like tactically is that it's 30 minutes per person, one-on-one, typically virtually because we're all working in the virtual world. I try to do it over Zoom so I can watch them as well, watch their body language. They can see me. And I have about five or six questions that I ask, and I talk to the client about what those questions are. We do try to relate that to their overarching goal in the session or for their journey through coaching. But yeah, I think back to your question, five to seven people, and it's given to me by the client. So here's a perspective that I had, because I was pulling something together about stakeholder engagement. And to increase our visibility within an organization, I've upped the number of stakeholder interviews that I'll do up to maybe 10 or 12. Reason being, the more people I can contact within the organization, the more awareness it it provides, the more richness the data. And I get that there's absolutely a time constraint to it, because if you're doing five to seven or 10 to 14, that's double the time. And if it's a half hour each, you're going from a shorter period of time to an extended period of time with the additional work of all of this these notes to compile together. I err towards more than less because I get more exposure within the organization. You could be interviewing a top executive. They'll say, oh, this is great what you're doing for XYZ person. I wonder if that's something that a a seed you can plant in that executive to go back to the organization and say, hey, you know, what Gary did with so-and-so, is that available to me? And I like Gary's demeanor. So maybe I want to I want to work with Gary on that. So I'd look at it from, if you're in a system, a coaching system where they're doing that, that's one thing. But if you're hanging out your own shingle and you're doing this on behalf of your client, I do have a perspective that I would lean more towards more interviews and less only because I like doing them. I want to get the exposure and I want a richness of information so that it's easier to compile information and see patterns within it. And the next thing you mentioned, do you have a standard list of questions that you always ask? I have three three or four that are pretty standard that I use. And then I ask the client for their input on, and it could be based on their behavioral goal as it relates to the coaching engagement. But I try to make it as individual to their needs as possible and to what their goal is. Now the report, when you compile that together, how do you do that? Interestingly enough, and I want to go back to something you said, which I appreciate you saying how many people you interview, because that the amount of data you get in is just more data crunching that you'll have to do, so to speak, right? The proverbial subjective data crunching. So what I tried to do is I think about just through the years of doing this, I found the five to seven is is a good number if you, because after that, it's they're telling you the similar stories. If I find, though, that I have divergent opinions in the group of five to seven, I will ask for more names. So I think there is a time and a place to go to a larger number. And I appreciate your perspective of, hey, I'm looking at it from my perspective as the coach hanging the shingle. So I would just say for me, I make it clear in the contract when I'm contracting with them. How many will I do? And then what? If I go above that, we probably have to recontract. Yeah. So just, I just want to circle back because I thought that was a really great ad on your part and love your perspective. So if I go back to the question, how do I do it? So what I do is I actually take notes during the sessions and I tell people, I'm going to take notes. I'm going to be typing. I'm not doing other work. I'm, this is how I correlate or collate my information. Hold on. 
have people said, are you taking notes for something? Or you're just being very overt with them to say, hey, I'm taking notes on what you're saying. I'm not preparing my grocery list for tonight. <laughs> exactly. I <laughs> okay. try to be very overt because they might think I'm checking email and, and I'm not. I'm, I could not keep track of what they're saying and do email. So I let them know I'm going to take some notes. You may hear typing. That is me taking notes. But I also have the confidentiality discussion with them that obviously the client knows that you're talking to me because they gave me your name, but I'm going to anonymize this information. Won't know exactly what you said versus somebody else, but I will be picking up themes. I, I let people know I'm going to look for themes throughout all of the interviews. And so that's what I do is when I take notes, then I go back after I'm done with all of them and I start to really bold or underline or highlight the themes or the words that I'm hearing over and over again. And I put it in a way that I can see all of they're the same question answers together so that I can look then for more themes that way. So I visually have a clue by the font change or color. And then I also can look at them together so that I can see that. And what I do is I correlate it into themes by the question. And then I go back to the client with the information. So we can talk about that in a different, maybe in a different question. On that, do you compile it and do you email that to your client or do you verbalize it initially and say, hey, I've typed all this stuff out for you. I'll email it to you afterwards. What I do is I say to them, typically our sessions are one hour, 50 minutes to an hour. I actually ask them for an hour and a half to do the debrief of the executive summary. And I don't typically send it to them ahead of time because I want it to be a conversation. I want to hear what they have to say in the moment versus if they read it, they don't have any context around it. And so I want it to be a discussion. But one of the things I do in that hour and a half, we have the setting the stage, maybe five or 10 minutes. And we talk about how people might react to information that's hard to hear. Not that they're going to hear that hard to hear information, but just in case. And so we talk about the four different ways that you might take in the information. And the last one is really around integration, learning, and growth. And I asked them, what would it take for you today to be in that mode of listening versus the other ones? And then I asked for permission, may I bring us back to that if I feel like we're in one of the other ones? If they're defensive or they're trying to tell me why that's not true, I then have permission from them to go to the, if this were true, what would we learn from it? So then before I give them any information about the actual, I might start with the first question and say, to them, what is it that you think you might hear in terms of a theme before I tell them what the theme is that I heard? Because it does a couple of things. One, it allows the client, it allows me to hear what the client thinks about themselves as it relates to what they think others think about them. And then it helps the client too. When I do give them the theme, they may have some blind spots or self-awareness that could happen through that process right? They might say, oh, I think I'm going to hear that I'm a great manager and I'm terrific and I support my people. And then I give them feedback or the theme maybe is the opposite or not as positive. And it's a real interesting dynamic that happens between the coach and the client and great conversations can be had through that. So I asked them, what do you think you might hear? What I like about that is even in my business career, and I'm a consultant, so interviewing and finding themes, I love doing. I love doing it when I was a consultant. Here's when I did it, because I have a bit of a sarcastic thread to my personality, and I would notice that even in businesses, 
I would just throw something out that's a bit sarcastic. And I truly love doing it. So when I was thinking about getting into coaching, what I wanted to do, we read these books sometimes and they say, you should have your same sense of humor. I was like, oh, boy, that's difficult to do. And there were a couple examples in books and I'm starting to thread that through. For instance, a client may say, I had to work this weekend because there was an important project. I said, so if you didn't work this weekend, the whole company would go down. No, and they would get what I'm saying in a way, but I don't come out of the gate with it. But just being a consultant, I love compiling notes. But what I liked about your process that I thought was insightful is in consulting, what I would do is ask my team to fill out, you fill out your own survey on yourself, one to five scale on X, Y, or Z. And then you walk through it. If you agree with the feedback that I have, we can breeze past that. But if I rate you a five and you rate yourself a one, we're having a conversation or vice versa. And then what also you do that I really liked is we want to put your mindset into learning. And because you're so good at getting permission from the other person, it feels like you're lining them up. You know what the themes are. And you're going to say, tell me what you think I would hear. Do I have your permission to pull you back into coaching mode? Because that's the real, that's the purpose of this is it's self-awareness. It's their self-perception. And you're going doing these, the hard yards of talking to people. Do you ever find as you're interviewing the stakeholders, they're holding something back or you, you feel like they're less than truthful with you? And if so, how do you handle that? That is a... An excellent question. I What I do first is I ask the client to really think about who they want to add to the list. And I encourage them, put in who you think is a naysayer. Put in someone who you think maybe isn't your biggest fan, as well as those who think you're great. Because we have to hear all sides of the story. We have to know what's out there. Hopefully that's the client's doing that for us. And I don't ask who's the naysayer. I just say, please consider that, please. It's really important to the process. And then when we're in the actual stakeholder interviews, that's why I like to use Zoom or some medium like that where I can see their body language. Because if I feel like there's more, I might ask a deeper question and it helps me to know maybe where to navigate to with that person. So I look for ver verbal clues. I look for visual clues. I obviously don't say what the last person said, but I might pick up on a theme. If I'm on person four or five, let's say, I may have picked up on a theme already from the first three or four. I might try to probe more on what I heard and see if that's happening with that person. And what's really interesting is when you get someone who's saying, this person is fantastic, love this person, great to work with. And another person saying, they're so difficult. I don't know how to work with them. So that's where it's important to really understand the different perspectives. Here's my fear when I do these. And I found it, and I'm going through facilitation and MBA program where we're doing chemistry calls about what we want to cover. And sometimes I feel like I'm leading the witness of, wouldn't you like to talk about confidence or something that I know we have material on? And I really try to catch myself to understand that I don't want to go where I think they that I want them to go. I want them to go where they should. So I think consciously what I'm trying to do is, at least in those interviews, it's not it's not a stakeholder alignment, it's not a 360, but it's more about what they want to get out of something and being completely open instead of being prescriptive of walking them down this primrose path of, boy, this would be great because I know we did it last time and it, and it hit the mark. So I thought that was interesting. And the question that I had on the length of the session, so you go 90 minutes, what are your normal lengths for sessions? I, my normal session is anywhere from 50 to 60 minutes. Okay. 
So one hour maximum, but I, I find that in the, in the executive summary or the feedback of the feedback with the client, if you do it in an hour, there could be rich conversation you won't get to because you have this time limit. But if I say to them, that session will be an hour and a half and we make it done early and you'll get time back, but we want to leave enough time to have the discussions that I want you to be able to really understand this summary that we're going to give back to you. Do you adjust the coaching agreement at that time? If you had been operating under certain circumstances of what you want to work with the client, and then you go get this feedback, like, oh, I thought I was great at this. It feels like I'm not. There's a big misconception. Is that a point where you where you start assessing what you guys are working on together? I think that is part of the conversation, right? That That at the end of that or throughout it, we should be looking at what did the client think that they needed to work on? What do others say about them and have that conversation about the similarities or differences? And I remember having one client, this is years ago, that they were so far off of what they thought they would hear from what they actually heard that the coaching came be- came to be about their self-awareness and their blind spots, whereas they thought they were going to come in about communication, if I recall that correctly. So yes, you can pivot at that point and you can... You sh- we should, we should be open to working with the client with, hey, is this still meeting the need? Is what you thought you wanted to work on still what we need to work on? And what might shift or change because of this feedback? Question, because I'm my coaching is pretty much individual practice. I'm working under a corporate organization, but there's not a lot of 360 evaluations. Have you ever done that with a client where there's just individuals one-on-one? And do you ever offer up to them to say, hey, here's something that I offer are these feedbacks and you're not working, you're not contracted with the company they're working for, but you're working with them. Does that ever happen for you? Yes. I have individual clients that come to me that what I do is I actually offer up, here's your coaching engagement, you know, how many sessions, here's your, the time frame, and here's the cost. And then I offer up, here's the 360 stakeholder feedback process so that they can. And then I also have, if you want to do an individual behavioral or personality assessment like Enneagram or Hogan or Berkman, and they can decide really what they want to do. And we talk about that in usually session one and two, what are their goals? What do they want to learn about themselves? And then we can better understand what that is. But I have clients who automatically sign up for both the coaching engagement and the stakeholder interview process. And I have others who add that on as they learn more about it. I like that. And you know what I like about it? Because I've told clients before, and it's been so unstructured with me. Okay, I can do this. And it's never been formalized. And my considerations now are in the chemistry call. Here are things that I can offer and really listen to what they want. But what comes to my mind is I've told clients, I said, you can use me. Hey, I'm working with a coach. You can send out your own individual emails to people in in their sphere, in their world about how would you rate me? on these different topics, what would you, how would you describe me? Now, again, it's going directly from the client to the person. So there's that, how honest are they going to be? But as I was leaving Australia, I did that with people and I just got really positive feedback on how they perceive me on various characteristics, but I've done that. I think what I'm learning now, and this is my takeaway from the session to, to capture it in the moment, I've got a bunch of takeaways, but this one is In that chemistry call, say, hey, we can do one-on-one and I do offer this and here are the benefits. So start outlining what the value is for them to have me 
go and interview people, which, you know, as we talked about, I, I love doing that stuff. I love the interviews and I like connecting with other people. And that just, if you're that individual coach out there hanging up your own shingle, probably a valuable perspective for you to hear to say, if you want to increase your base, offer to do them for X amount, a lot, a little, doesn't matter. But now you're getting an exposure to people in that person's orbit. And if you're successful with them due to that, then, you know, you might be building yourself up a great, a great little business there. Love it. Yes. I just, for me, a a big takeaway is when I think about this process and just about the benefit to the client that I have to say when a client does do this, they have such great insights that they wouldn't have had any other way. And I once had a manager who always said, perception is reality. And I really stewed on that for a long time because I knew what he meant. I knew that the idea was how others view you is the reality of your situation. So I try to help my clients understand what is the reality of their situation? What is the perception of them out there as it relates to how do they want to show up? So the power in this, that's the takeaway. It's just the, I love your energy around it. I think that as coaches, we should be really thinking about how we can help our clients with this. 100%. And perception is reality because I'll have feedback like, hey, they felt this way about what you did, Gary, or what you says. Like, I can't control that. If that's the way they felt. That's the way they felt. I'm not going to say, oh, that wasn't my intention. It may not have been your intention, but that's the way that they absorbed what our interaction was inside of them. And who am I to say they should do it one way or the other? So I do appreciate that. And I guess when we think about our profession, how would you rate doing 360 assessments on making an impact with the client? And that's a terrible question, but it's how important do you think this is for growth in the client you're coaching? Personally, I think it's, if we're on a scale of one to five, I think it's a five. I think that, and I ask for feedback from the client and they always say, wow, this was great for me to have this feedback and it's, and it becomes actionable. So it's, you have takeaways from it that the client really can absorb into and sink their teeth into and create some action plans if they wanted to. It doesn't always have to be, but it could lead to that. And I think it helps the client to really understand what's out there in the system in terms of their reputation and their perception. Love it. So some additional takeaways for me, I need to create a better offering for what this looks like to my clients so I can start introducing this a bit more. Second thing is I like the way you go about the process of how you can interpret the information. You're really settling them down before you start talking about feedback, positive or negative, right? doesn't matter. Even if you think something's positive, they may not. But then you ask their permission to say, hey, look, we can, and I'm guessing in that 90-minute session, you have coaching opportunities in there that just pop up because you're going to feed them back something and say, whoa, that's a that's a 180 to what I thought it was going to be. So you're really, you're couching it right. You're explaining the value. You've gotten great feedback from your clients that they love it. And inside it, you're just creating this safe container or this space for them to live in the moment and really absorb the feedback and not get defensive or, oh, that had to be so-and-so or such-and-such. So really good, good advice, good perspective. I love it. Thanks, Jackie. You're welcome. And I can say through experience that they don't always accept it in the learning and growth mindset. And so just having some tricks up your sleeve in terms of maybe powerful questions to ask and really helping. So the session is, yes, it's feedback about the executive summary and it's a coaching session because they're definitely learning more about themselves. I could see me saying, hey, you're really defensive. We got to work on that. 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. I had one a client who really struggled with the results and really, really struggled with it. And I just ended up saying, if this were all true, what would that mean? What's the risk of that? And that really settled that client down to, to say, okay, we can deal with this. We're, we're going to work through it. I'm getting more takeaways the more we go. Okay, we're going to put a pin in this. Okay. Thanks for that. I think next time we get on, we're going to talk about maybe the online assessments, which I really have probably more questions than input on that because I haven't gone through any. I haven't been certified in anything. And I'm really trying to understand which one I would do and why I would do it. So I know that's one of the, one of the key, key aspects of what you do in coaching and how much you love them. So thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome.